0: You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the book of Romans. Paul's letter to the church at Rome, Romans chapter 1. We'll begin at verse 16. Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16, where Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith, for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for this privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There are just some questions about our faith, some questions from the Bible, some questions from Scripture, or other things that just sometimes can stick with us. I don't know about you, but even when I was a, a kid growing up, I was probably the Sunday school teacher's nightmare because I had questions, questions that just kind of stayed with me. Well, what about, but then what about this? And sometimes we, we have questions like with this Scripture, the righteous will live by faith but the question is well who who is righteous who can be righteous God calls us to be righteous we're not even comfortable saying that word that we are righteous in any sense of the word so it just seems impossible how can we be righteous I mean we know ourselves we know what we're thinking we know what we're feeling we know things we've done things we've thought in the past there is just so much stuff that goes, well, I don't stand a chance then. If, if I'm called to be righteous, I know me. How can, we, how can we do that? Martin Luther was actually very bothered by this very scripture that we read. And that question, how in the world can one be righteous before God? As a matter of fact, that question used to keep the young Martin Luther up at night, terrified, trying to come up with the answer. How in the world can I be right with God? How can I be righteous? He knew who he was. He knew he could be a rascal. How can this be? He actually wrote, I hated that word, the righteousness of God, by which I had been taught according to the customs and the use of all teachers that God is righteous and punishes the unrighteous sinner. God punishes the unrighteous sinner. Martin Luther just knew he was one of the unrighteous sinners and he knew he was going to be punished. He was terrified of the wrath of God. He was terrified. How can I ever stand before God? I am not righteous. How can one be considered righteous before God? He wondered, and how in the world can we avoid the wrath of God? It's something that he wrestled with for a long time. Now, this is known as Reformation Sunday. And the reason for that, you'll see in a few moments, but October 31st is a time when Martin Luther accidentally changed the world and and impacted Christian faith. But he was born in 1483 in Germany. His father worked in the copper mine, so he grew up in a very modest kind of raising or rearing as as a child, It was a modest kind of life, but his father worked so hard. Like many parents, his father worked really hard to make sure that his children had a different kind of life than he had growing up, and a different kind of life than he was experiencing as an adult. He really wanted to make sure they could go to the next level, and he wanted the best for his son, Martin. Actually, his dream was that Martin Luther would become a lawyer, And Martin was well on the path to be able to do that. He began his education. He was on his way. A brilliant student. As a matter of fact, he finished a lot of his education as quickly as was legally allowed to do or was allowed to do in the educational institutions. He could just thrive academically. But there was a change when he was around 21 years of age. Martin Luther had always been afraid of thunderstorms. And one day, he was walking through a storm. There was thunder, there was lightning all around, and all at once, there was this bolt of lightning that struck right near him to the point that it about knocks him off his feet. He is absolutely terrified, and and, and in that moment of fear and horror and terror, he looks up and he screams out, Help me, Saint Anne, and I'll become a monk. Well, he survived. So... He ended up keeping his promise. Now, some Luther scholars will argue that he had already been wrestling with this idea of lawyer versus becoming one who committed his life to the faith. But he yells out in that moment, help me, Saint Anne, and I'll become a monk. And once he survives that strike, he kept his promise and against his father's wishes and dreams... He actually leaves law school and enters the monastery. And he he commits his life to a life of prayer and fasting and spiritual disciplines. He actually said, if anyone could have earned heaven by the life of a monk, it was I. I mean, he committed to love God fully because he was still wrestling with this scripture A righteous will live by faith, and he tried his best to be righteous, praying, studying, fasting, all the spiritual disciplines, giving his life as a full-time commitment to God, to love God with all that he had, and still there was no consolation. He still was terrified of the wrath of God. And he wrestled with Romans 1.17. As a matter of fact, Romans 1.17 is often seen as the scripture of the Reformation. Because Luther would read Paul's writing. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. But even as a full-time man of God... He would ask, but who, who can live by faith but those who are already righteous? I mean, the, the ones who are already righteous are the ones, it would seem, that, that could only stand a chance of living by faith. And the text seemed to be clear, the righteous will live by faith. And he knew, he knew that he was not righteous, But he continues to study. He actually began his doctoral work in biblical studies at Wittenberg University. He becomes a professor then at Wittenberg University. He studied the scriptures. He taught the scriptures. He wrestled with the scripture of Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And then he was preparing a lecture on Romans. He was to give this series of of teachings and lessons on the book of Romans, and all of a sudden, it comes to him. All of a sudden, it begins to click for him. And it was then that he wrote these words. He said, at last, meditating day and night by the mercy of God, I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that through which the righteous live by a gift of God, namely by faith. He said, here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through the gates that had been flung open. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit revealed with Luther and the work and the study that he was doing. Well, wait a minute. The righteous will live by faith. Yes, by a gift from God. This is a gift, and his life was completely changed from that moment. He had experienced the gift of grace. He had experienced the assurance of salvation. I am made righteous before God, but it's not because of anything that I'm doing. It's not because of how hard I study, how much I pray, how much I am involved in the spiritual disciplines, although all of those are vitally important in our Christian life to nurture this righteousness, but that's not what gives it to us. It's a gift from God. We are justified, made righteous, saved by faith through grace. It's a gift or an act of God. Justification by faith became one of those key things then that Luther continued to teach, now understanding what Paul was saying in that phenomenal book of Romans. Now, later on, Luther will continue to get frustrated with some of the teachings and the practices of the church, thinking that people aren't experiencing the liberation of the church and aren't experiencing the liberation of the faith, what God is doing, this amazing gift from God, that, that there, were, there were obligations being put on people and indulgences being sold to, to provide for the salvation or forgiveness of sins of others. A lot of things that, that just made him very angry to wear on October the 31st, of 1517 so around 500 plus years ago martin luther nailed a sheet of paper with 95 theses on the door of the church now in case that sounds rude to you you have to remember that in that time the front door of the church was often like a bulletin board where announcements would be placed outside the church so that people could know what was going on. And sometimes people would put things on the door going, I would love for us to discuss this or learn more of this. Here are these issues. So nailing to the door of the church, that was not offensive at all. The point was he puts these 95 theses that are there. And they were meant to be just discussion points within the church and so that he could wrestle with these things. But there had been an invention that changed everything. The printing press. And now those 95 theses were taken, were published, and within two weeks were distributed throughout Germany. And within two months had been distributed across Europe. Now, that may be hard for us to kind of grasp in a day of social media where now everything is instantaneous for us, but that was a life change with that invention of being able to duplicate things, to print this up, to be able to spread the word out. He was absolutely amazed at how fast his letters that he put on the door of the church as a complaint were now distributed everywhere, and the conversation that it led to, and thus the Reformation began. Luther preached... The primacy of Scripture. Scripture is our primary authority. The priesthood of all believers, that, that leading the faith was not simply left to the ordained priest, but others could teach the Scripture and, and others could help guide. And then justification by faith alone. Again, this whole message that we are justified, made righteous by faith and faith alone. Now, he stirred up quite a bit of trouble to where four years later, he was summoned to Worms, Germany, where he thought he was going to a debate, and he realized very quickly it was a church trial, and he was the one on trial. So he made his defense for his faith, but then he concluded with these words. These famous words of Martin Luther are, Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Luther's ministry then changes the world. He actually then translates the scriptures into German, which was published then in Wittenberg. And many of you know this as the Wittenberg Bible. And recently, our church, we actually received a precious gift of a Wittenberg Bible dated years ago. That, that we now have in a protective display case is being ordered for it so we can set it out at the entrance of the church so you and others can come and see this part of history that changed the world. And when we sing the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, that again is some of this ministry that Martin Luther helped launch. He wrote that hymn as he helped us to think through what does it mean to be a Christian what is the role of Scripture? How are we justified, made righteous by faith? So October the 31st is marking that Reformation Day. And this Sunday is known as Reformation Sunday when we, we again pause to think about this justification by faith, this idea of God makes us righteous, but by his grace. So many of us, we try to earn our salvation. We try to earn our righteousness. We sometimes think, I'm just not good enough. I, I often hear people share, you know, I'm just not good enough to, to do this. I'm not good enough to be that. I, you know, I'm just not there yet. As if Christian perfection, as John Wesley referred to it, is something that we receive immediately. But our Christian walk in faith is a lifelong process but it is God who justifies us. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we, we allow God then to come into our lives, and it's God who sets things right. Paul writing this amazing letter to the church at Rome, the letter of Rome becomes. His masterpiece. It's it's a mature Paul who has experienced so much in ministry and has grown so much that is, is now sharing this with us. But Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, Leander Keck, another New Testament scholar, reminds us that Paul's actually using a negative to state something very positive. In other words, what he's saying when he goes, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he's really saying, I am so proud. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have full confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I cannot help but proclaim this gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that word gospel sometimes can throw us, but it simply means good news. And what he's saying here is I can't help but share with you this real good news, this great news, this amazing news. Of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. Now he's already defined that in the scripture. If you look, look back just a couple of verses to verse 3. Paul writes saying the gospel concerning his son. Who was descended from David according to the flesh. And was declared to be the son of God with power. According to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ. Our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves, who are being called to belong to Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel at all. Why? Because it is the power of God, he says, for salvation to Everyone who has faith now that he that Greek word is soteria, which means deliverance, salvation, deliverance wholeness god God makes us whole he makes us righteous. He he delivers us from sin. He delivers us from death. He delivers us from Satan himself. If you read Paul's writings and you see that he is going, this is the power of God that saves us. This is the power that changes your life and my life. This is that amazing gift from God that we receive through faith. Faith. The word for faith and believe, it's so interchangeable for Paul. Those words are so similar that that he uses them and mixes them all up. But the point that he's making is, is that God's done this amazing thing, but then we have to receive it. The question is, do we embrace it? Do we believe it? Do we accept it? I mean, you may remember Jesus himself sharing that God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's a sense of response and Paul is reminding us there's a response to this that God has done this amazing thing. And here is the power of God, this gospel, what God has done in and through Jesus Christ is the power of salvation, but it's a gift, And we receive that gift by faith, by faith. Martin Luther began to see what Paul was teaching here. And Paul says, this is about the righteousness of God. Now that phrase, righteousness of God, will occur eight different times in the book of Romans. And they're at critical times. when he's making a point, but again, verse 17 sets it out when he goes, for in it, this gospel, this amazing gift of salvation, this power of God, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. The one who is righteous will live by faith. That word righteousness, again, the Greek implies you know, justification or the justice of God. To be made right, to be justified. Now, sometimes we write a document, for example, we can, we can go to the margins and we say, we want it to be justified, which means the lines are straight, the edges are straight. To be made right, to be made straight, to be made whole. And Paul is sharing with us in this powerful letter, we need to be made right with God. And we need to be made right... With one another, but the challenging thing is, we often wrestle like the young Martin Luther, going, "Well, how in the world can I do that? I'm not perfect. I, I I do mess up. I have messed up. There are things in my life. I'm not worthy. I know who I am." And what Paul shares with us again is, "Wait a minute. This is a God thing. This is a God thing. God has offered you." Righteousness. God has offered you salvation. God has offered you forgiveness. And that's why this is such amazingly good news. It's why it's the gospel that we're just not ashamed of. We'll shout it from the mountaintops that God has actually intervened to do something I could never do myself, and that's to make me whole, to make you whole to offer us this amazing gift. Paul writes about it again in his letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, and following when he says, But God... I, I, I love that word, but. Because here's the situation. But God does something about it. And that's what Paul is trying to share with this good news. It's what he's sharing in Romans. It's what he shares here But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he has loved us, that includes me and and you, that's all of us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. It's not the result of works, so that no one may boast. It's not grace if we've earned it. It's grace because it's a gift from God. And through Jesus Christ, God has offered salvation to the world. And that means God has offered salvation to you. He has offered his righteousness to you. Not that you had to be righteous on your own. It is a gift from God that God makes us right with him. That God is the one who makes us righteous by his grace. God has done this. This is good news. It is the gospel. Now, We have to believe it and accept it. And Martin Luther came to that point where finally he felt that the doors of the kingdom had been flung open, that finally he had received this amazing gift of God's grace. John Wesley tells us that he went to a Bible study one night. He was already the preacher, but he goes to a Bible study on Aldersgate Street, and there someone is reading then, what Martin Luther had written about Romans and about how God makes us right and how God justifies us and how this righteousness comes from God. And when John Wesley heard what Martin Luther was writing about what Paul had said, John Wesley says that he felt his heart strangely warmed and that it was then at this Aldersgate Street Bible study That he knew that Jesus had died for him, for his sins, even his. So my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that this is not something that needs to keep us up at night. How, How can we be righteous before God? How can we stand before God? How can we How can we be in his presence? We know who we are. And Paul tells us Martin Luther experienced it, John Wesley experienced it, and you and I can experience this is a gift. It is a gift that God offers to you. And because it's a gift, it's got to be good news. No wonder Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, and neither am I. Will you pray with me? God, we're so grateful for your love and grace. And God, we pray that we will experience your righteousness. Sometimes we stress because we know who we are. We know our brokenness. We know our fallenness. We know that we're not exactly yet who you called us to be. And, and so therefore, we feel sometimes unworthy. We feel that, that, that everyone else just seems to be so much farther along on their walk than we are. And God, it just breaks us down. And then we worry and we're terrified about how do we flee this wrath. Martin Luther stayed up at night. But God, you teach us in your word, Paul Reveals your word to us that this this is actually an amazing gift that we can't earn our righteousness that none of us are righteous and none of us can actually boast about who we are other than who we are by your grace it is a gift that makes it good news it's the gospel of Jesus Christ so God I pray that every one of us who are worshiping right now will receive and accept this gift of grace through faith and be made whole with you. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.